0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, it's a little Anfield Rap special. We've been recording a series of player profiles, which you may have heard. Some of them are about the men's team, but in recent times we've decided to turn our attention towards the women's team and some of the stars from that team. And we were recording one about Katie Stengel until news broke yesterday or reports broke yesterday, at least. First of all, from Emma Sanders at the BBC and Beth Lindup at the Liverpool Echo, uh, indicating that Katie may be set to leave Liverpool. She's been on loan at New York Gotham FC last season. It seems like she's going to uh, going to make that move permanent now, which is a, a great shame. So I'm joined by Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons first and foremost to, to talk about that. And then we're going to go into what's almost become a tribute to Katie now. Hopefully it's part of her, her lasting <laughs> legacy that she leaves um, at Liverpool. This player profile sort of charting her, her you know, tracing her career back from her start at Wake Forest University to Liverpool. But um, Neil, in, in, incredibly sad, to be honest. It feels like Liverpool's women have just lost a lot of vibes very much very much so. I mean it's there's there's
2: bits and pieces with this team and where it was when when Katie turned up and where it is now. Where I think there's <coughs> footballers at times are part of a journey and they're gonna be part of that journey for a period. I don't feel as though Katie's was necessarily over uh, at Liverpool, to be honest, because I think Liverpool have still got a way to go to prove that a football team that's moved past what she was about to such an extent, but also because she's managed to make herself so integral, um, first and foremost, by virtue of her incredible level of fitness. You know, I think you can be careful. You can be it can be dangerous at times to sort of to praise physical attributes of footballers because it feels as though you're not praising other technical ones yes. and you're damning them with faint praise by by virtue of that. But first and foremost, she could and would run for ninety minutes, win her battles for ninety minutes, when getting plowed into repeatedly for ninety minutes, and constantly pick herself up and then first and foremost do that job and then be available for the next match as well. And that was something which I think massively helped Liverpool women. I think she was brilliant at getting them up the pitch. I think she was excellent in terms of a number of touches to bring other players into play. And then the last thing was she scored goals. and She was involved in scoring goals. And these are all genuinely brilliant attributes that centre forwards have. Um, And she had a real calm under pressure as well uh, across the board. So I think she'll be a big miss... And it's genuinely, genuinely being a pleasure watching her play.
1: Yeah, and and John, she's just a, a superstar in every sense of the word, isn't she? And I think when when you think about the the rise of, of women's football and, and the sort of re-emergence of, of, of Liverpool within that as well, Liverpool, as as Neil says, there they're not one of the leading force in the WSL. They're not the sort of team you look at and think that it's it's riddled with superstars like like your Sam Kerr's and stuff like. That. But it felt like last season at times, Katie Stangle was 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 that person. She was that focal point on this Liverpool side, and and just a real sort of character on
3: on and off the pitch, which you felt like Liverpool. Just needing an insert on so many occasions. Well, she came in when we were still in the second tier, and, yeah. and she walked in there like, and it you know, it, it was like the superstar arriving, and it's a real testament to matter thinking. there's there's so many players who who Matt's worked with over the years who want to work with him again and that's sometimes you know at Liverpool the fact that he got Gemma Bonner to come back and and Natasha Dowie for for a little while and stuff like that but also from his other clubs and you know from from West Ham and and, and in this instance you know from, from when he was out there in Boston and you know, a lot of these players, you know, want to play for for Matt, and that's a real testament to him. And are also prepared to maybe play at a slightly lower level than than what maybe they'd have to or, or, or need to because they they know they'll enjoy the football playing playing with him, and and they know they you know they believe in the manager to get them up to that level. And so, you know, when 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 Katie came in, it was a you know it felt like a you know massive. Statement from the club And it showed that they meant business In terms of You know Making ensuring That they got up there and, and she came in And hit the ground running And You know Like Neil says There's this You know There's this industriousness off, off, On the pitch And you know, the, the goal scoring and and there is, you know, she's 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 quality technician as well, but but so much of it was, you know, putting in those hard yards. And it's tough playing up front on your own. It's it's hard. You know, it's all, it's fine when your team's on the on the front foot all the time, but as we went into the super league, you know, so often in games we're not you know, there's not many games that Liverpool dominated last season. They're either in a bit of a battle and, and they'll hopefully come through it, or they're playing against one of the top sides and, and we're hardly seeing any of the ball. And and that's hard when you're up front. it, it yeah. can be a bit tight. You know, you're, you're having to, you know, a, long, a lot of the time the midfield's a long way from you and you've got to hold it up and wait till they can get up to you. And she was absolutely brilliant at that. And and I th- always think it's, it's those games that don't miss it. They, they've forwards in and so I'm hopeful that we can replace the goals across the season. But what what concerns me is, you know, when when you're, you know, you're home and away to, to the top four or five, and and you're in a sort of real battle, and and it's and it's it just the ball just keeps coming back at you, yeah. and keep behind, and we and we competed in a lot of those games, not all of them. You know, we got a we got a couple of you know. T- t- tough results uh, certainly in the first half of the season um, before the before January and the, and the before, well before the January reinforcements sort of came in I think I covered the w- where we're technically in January uh, I don't think you can technically be in January you either are or you're not <laughs> so you know what you know what I'm trying to say yes. know, January the 5th is technically January uh, you know what I'm trying to say so so I think I think we, we but um but you look at that Chelsea, the first game of the season, and we just don't win that without Stengel, and that's not because she st- she scores both the goals. It's it's you know because someone else could have knocked the penalty, and it's because you know first of all she wins the second one just by sheer bloody mindedness, <laughs> um, and, and but also you know how how she's able to take the sort of pressure off, and so I think that's what we'll miss most of all on the pitch, but we'll also just miss her because she was a fucking rock star, and she still is a rock star, and. I just, I, it was just like more fun. The fact that she was at the football club, you know, with social media, um, you know, just, just, she was just sort of dead cool. And I, I don't know, she just just made it all feel a little bit more showbiz when she was on the pitch and, and she was there. And um, yeah, it's it's a real shame. Like you say, Neil, it doesn't feel like the the right moment in terms of the team, but obviously it's the right moment from her, for her. And, yeah. and you've got to respect that. By all accounts, they've got a decent fee for her, which is which is good, and that obviously helps reinvestment into the team and and stuff like that. So, if it's the best move for her, then fair play because she fucking didn't have to come when she did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she took her she took a gamble on us rather than the other way around, and and you know I'll always be be grateful that she did. Absolutely. Yeah. Just
2: a last little thing on it is that when I talk about being cool, you know, last season she gets nine goals from an expected goals of of, of seven. Yeah. You know, obviously that does include <clears> the penalties, but <throat> Liverpool women don't score that many goals. And I think that that's, you know, you, the other part of this is that the players we saw last season, I think that a number of players have... Uh, better seasons than you might have anticipated. But there's no other breakout goal scorer. Uh, no one really anywhere near it, apart from maybe maybe Missy. Yeah, and I think Missy's probably the one who, who, who probably gets a couple more than what you'd expect at the start yeah. of the season. But no one else, you know, whilst, for instance, I think that, I thought that last season, I thought Mel Lawley, whenever I saw her, was great. I thought she went up a level. But you didn't quite get the goal scorer now put that you might have wanted from her. And that's, hopefully that'll still come. You know, I think there's, lo- there's lots of opportunity for that to come. But my point here is more, when goals are at a premium, when they're hard to find, having someone who will keep their cool around when the opportunities come, which is very much what what, what, what Katie Stengel did do, I think that they are, that does matter, and you know that's that's something that's there, and it is you know. Because they're a side who last season at least were, a, were a, a top of the bottom half side Liverpool it's better to frame them like that than even mid-table because there's only 12 teams in the division and mid-table can give you a bit of a, a, false, a false reading on it you know for people who are listening to this who may not be that engaged with the women's game but want to grow more engaged last season Chelsea win the league they win 19 of the 22 games Liverpool comes 7th which is a halfway point but they win 6 of the 22 So having someone who's going to grab those chances when they do come matters so, so much. But having a bit of old-style centre forward play of someone who you can hear to look after it and go from there matters a great deal as well and I think that Liverpool may well prove to miss that while simultaneously you know we all hope that they hit the ground running this season uh, but you need to therefore when the chances come Liverpool will need to be grabbing them and again especially you know in the games against Villa win 50% of their games they come fifth on 37 points all the way up to Chelsea who come top on 19 out of 22 uh, in terms of wins that stuff matters and when Liverpool are playing those games against first game of the season's Arsenal, second game of the season's Villa, and third game of the season is Everton. Uh, let's be clear about this, you know, they're all sides that finished above Liverpool last year, yeah. and if Liverpool are going to get results in any of those games, they're going to need someone who's ruthless in front of goal. And Katie was, and so I think that she may well be missed in the immediate short term there if if, if someone doesn't hit the ground running. Um Hopefully, Liverpool, Liverpool women will be fine. It's not hopefully, they will be absolutely fine. But it will be a shame uh, not to see Katie play
1: this season. It will absolutely be a shame. Liverpool's loss, we expect to be New York's gain. Um, but and to understand the football that brought us so much joy on the pitch, we want to understand the footballer off the pitch as well, the person behind the footballer that was Katie Stengel, uh, that is Katie Stengel as she moves on to New York, as we expect. So to do that, uh, we're going to start off with her head coach at Wake Forest University, Tony Deleuze, to tell us more about the footballer.
4: Well, I think she was only like three or four years old because she's a, a, a leap year baby. So, <laughs> um, my first impressions um, just evaluating her, um, watching her play, it took me about 30 seconds um, to watch and see uh, and, and make a decision that we wanted that, that player to be at Wake Forest. Um, you know, she was just that dominant. Um, as, as a club player, as a youth player. Um, so, you know, she, she just was a free, free player, like just a natural kid. You could see it. She could do anything with the ball, um, strong, uh, wanted to score goals, just had an absolute passion for scoring goals. Uh, and you could see that very early on. So, um, just a special player.
1: Player. Um, yeah, what, what I'm interested to know what she's like as a, as a personality off the pitch at that time because I think one of the things that we love as, as Liverpool fans now is just how much personality she shows particularly through her, her social media that's one, one of the things that we all really love about Katie so what, what was she like as a person when she first attended Wake Forest
4: um, uh, No filter um, <laughs> We actually had to shut her Twitter account down um, because <laughs> a couple of tweets that she made regarding our american football team here um didn't didn't go over well um yeah you know she she'll just at, at the time she's actually matured quite a bit if you can believe that um back back in the day she would just literally say anything that came into her head um appropriate or inappropriate it just you know whatever whatever happened happened and we would have to clean it up afterward. Um, So, but, you know, she's, she's matured a lot. And I I think um, she's a fun person to be around and um, she does definitely has views on, on a lot of different things. And and I think as she's matured um, she's actually uh, much more well-rounded now uh, as a person overall, when she was young, it was just her and the ball. I mean, literally she would have a ball with her all the time. Uh, she had a key, her own key to our training facility. So the world just completely revolved around, around football. And, and, um, I I think, I think now she's a little bit more rounded and she's been around the world, you know, literally like played everywhere. Uh, so her her experiences uh, I think have really opened up her eyes from her little sheltered place in Melbourne, Florida. Um, uh, which is just Florida suburbia. Um, so, yeah, uh, she's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, she, her her teammates, um, would just shake their heads and just like, well, yeah, she said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the no filter thing is definitely something we we laugh at and appreciate now as, as Liverpool fans. You've spoken about her in the past and her work ethic in particular and the the leadership traits that she, she sort of has, was she someone that really encouraged the rest of the team to raise their standards, even at that young age? And, and yeah, tell us a bit more about her work ethic in, in training and in games as well.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, she, she wasn't the kind to rah, rah, you know, she just wasn't that, um, but she trained every day. Like it was, you know, her last training session, um, and did so much extra work. Like we, we did so much extra work together. Individually, um, she would train on game mornings because uh, she just wanted to get into that rhythm of finishing. And um, so it was, it was more like I would have to really watch her and monitor her because if if you didn't, um, she would be up there, you know, all the time and just killing herself. So um, from an example standpoint. Um, To her teammates, you know, nobody, nobody did more work to to improve themselves than she did. Um, So, you know, that was contagious. I think I think that I guess sort of peer pressure, positive peer pressure in her teammates like here I am out here training all the time, trying to refine myself. And um, so it kind of put a lot of pressure on her teammates to do the same. So she did have that, that influence, but, you know, she was never a rah-rah person. You know, it's just, that's not her, it's not her personality. And
1: you've, of course, been a coach at Wake Forest for over 25 seasons, I think I'm right in saying. So you must have seen a, a whole host of talent sort of come in and out of the university during that time. What was it that stood out to you most about Katie on the pitch from, from those early days in terms of her, her attributes as a footballer? Um.
4: Uh, just, you could see her, her natural instincts for the game, like she's just technically for, for a bigger player. Um, you know, you, 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 don't think that players, you know, she was much more of a, um, I guess a back to goal player here. Um, but she had that always had that capability to dribble um, and, and finish. I right? ball striking with both feet was phenomenal um and then the heading came in later on um but you you couldn't couldn't get the ball off of her um in tight space um and she just loved the game like you could see it every time she trained every time she played um it's just impossible to miss and and those are the players that that we love to have here
0: yeah, and she she's the highest-scoring player in the university's history. I don't know if that stat still stands true, but she scored 50 goals in 75 games. I mean, and then she was the first Forest player to be named in All-America First Team. That must have been a really proud moment for you, but was it kind of inevitable from you as a coach, coaching perspective that these big things were always coming for her and that she was always going to be such a success?
4: Um, I, I don't know. She wasn't really that highly recruited. Um you know, she's kind of a late bloomer, you know, and she was in an area that wasn't real. You know, Melbourne, Florida is kind of off the path. So um, she, she came into like our youth national team. I don't think she even went into a camp until she was 18 and after she had committed here. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like, yeah, this kid's going to make an incredible impact. And unfortunately, yeah, she's still the leading scorer for us. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Ten years on.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, that's ever going to be broken. And really, she would have had more goals had, you know, two of her seasons got cut short. Uh, One, she only played basically half the season because she was with the U-20s that won the world championship. And then her last season, she got a blood clot um in right at almost the midpoint of the season maybe a little bit later so we didn't have her for you know eight games or so um and and her season was done um and that was that was her senior year so um you know she she would have scored more goals and what's impressive is she had 25 assists as well um which you know she she doesn't get enough credit for being able to pass and be able to, uh, that unselfish side of her game. Um, we, knew, we knew we had a special one, but, you know, it, it, she just gave us the confidence to go into a game where you know you're going to get a goal. Like we're, we're 1-0 up uh, going into the game. So it, it always, um, from a coaching standpoint, uh, I was a little bit more chill back then, know, knowing that we had her.
1: And you mentioned how much she's bounced around all, all over the globe, playing her, playing a her football on, on sort of all four corners of it. It, it, it feels like. Um, what's What's the sort of standout moment for for you from from following her of her career so far? Because of course she's played for for clubs like Bayern Munich. We've got you've got the Liverpool shirt in in the background there as well. What would you say is the sort of the proudest moment for for you of looking at that career?
4: Well, I was really proud of her for for going to Europe in the first place um, as as a you know, coming out of college and, you know, attempting to stay domestic and stay in the NWSL. Um, But, you know, she wanted to be in the best environment. She wanted to challenge herself. Um, And it's, you know, it's not easy to go to Germany for any player, uh, let let alone an American. Um, And and she did. uh, I know that the manager there at the time uh, really liked Katie a lot. and, And she had a really good year. And then the manager changed and, um, different philosophy or whatever. But, um, yeah, I was really, really proud of her for, for taking the risk and, and doing what most American kids don't do, um, going over there and, and, and trying to make it. Um, uh, you know, there's a ton of moments here at Wake. I I can't even, uh, I, I can't even begin to, um, to think about all the special, goals she scored and everything she did but um the, the most memorable moment i think is when she played with utah and i don't know if you've seen the video i'm sure you have but she scored the goal and then run off and jumped into the throne um, <laughs> which was just hilarious i mean it's just so katie because that's that's so fitting for her um so uh you, you know I, I don't know if it's pride or just uh uh, the spontaneity of the, uh, of that moment. Um, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's pre- she's, she's a piece of work for sure.
0: and finally from me, you've been coached so long, is there some players and it is Katie, one of them that just sort of stand out for you and just stick in your memory that however long you do it and all the new teams that you must get in and people through the door, there's some players that will just always stick in your memory and give you those memorable moments like you just mentioned.
4: Yeah, I mean I think she she was fortunate that she had a really good group with her. Um, you know, very stable group and a really talented group overall. Um and um but yeah, she's she's our best attacking player. I mean, we we had Aubrey Bledsoe here, Aubrey Bledsoe Kingsbury who was, you know, the goalkeeper um here and been in and out of the full team and has played forever. They 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 were together in their four years. Um, so both, both really special players, but Katie was our best. Um, she's the standard for our attacking players, um, to this day. And, and you know, I'm hoping we can find one who's, uh, just as special, but, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. So I, 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 she's the best player and she'll be in our hall of fame here. And, um, you know, and, really quick. And, um, um, you know, I wish her all the best we, we, I I watch her and I watch her results over there with, with Liverpool. And, um, she seems to be as happy as I've ever seen in her life. Um, not only with her football, but just, uh, just personally, I, I think she's in a really, really good place. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for her and I'm happy for, for Liverpool to, to have, have her in the in the team and in the and in your city um i'm glad she's representing as well
0: yeah we like to call her Stengold, don't we over yeah. here?
4: <laughs> is that
0: made you a liverpool fan we mentioned the shirt earlier but you must be a, you must be a reds fan now
4: uh i am on, on the women's side for sure um,
0: <laughs> that's fine uh, we can take
4: that. <laughs> i'm 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 more of a barcelona guy but um <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i've been following her very closely and um you know, I, I know it's been a little bit of a challenge transitioning, you know, to the top league. But I'm sure you guys will make the investment and continue to um, to try and compete to to be at the top of the, the 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 women's Premier League. So it's it's fantastic. It's I use her all the time as a standard here uh, when I'm talking to our younger players. You know, because her freshman year, her first year, she scored 16 goals for us in you know 23 24 games which you know it's just phenomenal like nobody that that's that's a number that has yet to be matched and 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 really nobody's even close so um so i can always say hey you know you think you scored a lot of goals well uh, stengel had 16 in her freshman year alone and and 50 in her, her career so um you better get to work
1: (laughs) and you you mentioned about still watching her games now do you ever get chance to sort of keep in contact with her as well fire a message every time there's a new milestone imagine that'd be a lot of messages
4: (laughs) yeah yeah we 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 text uh every now and then and that that shirt over my shoulder i I, (laughs) you know she texts she texted me because she had an old pair of uh, sweatpants, they're Wake Forest sweatpants, and they're like gym issued. You know, the kids love them because they're just, you know, it's just something you wear when you're around the house or whatever. And and they wear them constantly. And uh, she said hers had finally worn out. Um, so she called me, uh, she texted me and, and asked me if I could get her another pair. And I said, well, I'll make a trade you send me a Liverpool jersey and, and I'll send you the sweats. And okay. um, I sent the sweats and, and I was waiting and waiting. I'm like, okay, she, she, didn't, uh, she didn't follow through here. And then I got, I got the jersey and I was, I was actually shocked that she actually went to the trouble of mailing it, mailing it out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think she has a lot of pride in, in Wake Forest. And, um, you know, it, it's proof that you can go to college and you can still become a top player. And, you know, so many of our American kids uh, have done that path and, and uh, it can be done.
1: Katie graduated from Wake Forest University in 2013. And after a short spell at Los Angeles Blues, moved on to Europe and the challenge of Bayern Munich. To tell us more about Katie's time at Bayern Munich is her teammate and former UEFA Footballer of the Year, Arsenal striker Viv Miedemar.
5: Quite funny to be fair because we lived together obviously in Munich and I was really young I was only 18 she must have been 21 and we didn't really speak for the first six months because um, we were both quite awkward and uh, quite private but once we actually opened up we obviously became really good friends and I mean it's almost 10 years later now and we still end up fissing each other all the time.
1: Uh, um, what were your first impressions of her in training when she first signed for, for Bayern?
5: um I mean I was I was brought in as a nine she was brought in as a nine so I was like "Ah, I'll be better than her um (laughs) but it was obviously like as I said I was young I got injured so I missed a lot of the first games and Katie done really well um she came obviously from college into a new league um I think she was really enjoying her football in the beginning and yeah she she's shown that on the pitch I think she ended up being top goal scorer the first season um And yeah, you can see she's got a lot of quality. She's really good with the ball on her feet. And I think especially from like someone coming over from college, I don't really think we expected her to be that good directly.
0: Yeah, and you have that season together 2015 at, at Bayern Munich and it was a really successful season for you guys on the pitch. It was your first women's league title since 1976. What was that like to be a part of with Katie and also with the rest of your teammates?
5: It was really exciting to be honest. Like, obviously, I went to buy and thinking it was going to be a stepping stone for wherever I was going to go next. Um, but yeah, we ended up winning the league twice in a row directly. Um, it was special to be part of a team that basically could go out any day and, and just beat a team 1 0 because we were so great defensively. Um, and a lot of times it was just like Fifth and Katie up top go and run for the ball. And yeah, we've done really well in that sense. And obviously, like, yeah, along the way, when you become friends with people, it's amazing to be able to celebrate it with them.
1: And you mentioned the celebrations. Uh, Katie is known around Liverpool as as being good fun. She definitely likes a laugh. What was she like in, in the celebrations after that first league title win?
5: Uh, The exact same to be honest obviously I mean winning a league is like kind of a relief of of all season as well and um, yeah I just remember like well we didn't just celebrate one day we celebrated multiple days in a row which was great Um, and then she actually had to fly back to America I'm not sure how she done that but nah she was always good fun Um, and I think obviously at that time like because I was still young like she was probably the one that kind of taught me how to
0: party and celebrate (laughs) <laughs> she's I think she's teaching a lot of the younger players at Liverpool that as well now. You you mentioned there some of her sort of antics off the pitch, but she was also obviously an incredibly impressive footballer that season, scored nine goals in the league. What was she like to play with? And you mentioned there you were both up top. What was it like linking up with her on the pitch? I mean, I think obviously like
5: coming back to her being partying and whatever, like I think she's one of the most professional players I've played with off the pitch as well. Um she she loves her training, like Even if we would go for a walk, she would take a ball with her just to like obviously like play with her and and have her ball control there. Um, She trained extremely hard every single day, and I think we complemented each other quite well because obviously Kate is really good with her with her back to goal, uh, being a typical box striker. But I'm obviously especially there like I kind of had the job to just run around her and and try and set her up, and I think that yeah that linked up really well. And um, I always enjoyed playing with her.
1: Uh, and you finished just behind Katie with, with eight goals that season. Do you have a bit of friendly competition going on there, given that you were in the, the same positions all the time?
5: Um, no, as I said, like, I remember like Katie basically just taking care of me that whole first year, really, because I kept being injured. Like, I done something to my collarbone, to my ankle, and every time she was like, haha, I'm going to outscore you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but you played half of the game. So that was basically my response. Uh, But I think it's always good when you've got two players that are like scoring and competing because like we used to in a way of like staying motivated and basically just trying to do better than the other. But it was like a healthy competition instead of us yeah, being fighting and, and not liking each other for being in the same position.
0: Yeah, and, and she didn't actually stay at Munich that long before she moved in and went back to an American team. But you had obviously became really close during your time. So did you always stay in contact since she left and, and you were still at Bayern Munich?
5: Yeah, we always stayed in contact. Um, she's been everywhere, obviously, since like she's been in Australia, Norway, back to America. She's literally been been all over the place. But um, I think every time, like either one of us had time to like go visit the other. We've always done that. So we always managed to, like I've been visiting her in Norway. She's actually been in Holland with my family as well. Obviously right now with the Liverpool-London thing is really ideal. Um, but yeah, somehow I think with certain people in your career, you always stay really close and no matter where they are, you try and make an effort to then go see them.
0: Yeah, and has it been nice following her journey? You mentioned all the different countries she's been to. Has it been nice talking to her, I guess, about about the football and journey that you both have had? Yeah,
5: definitely. I mean, we've obviously both had a bit of a different career path and and things happening. But um I think that's the beautiful thing about football. Like no career is the same. Um, everyone's got different experiences. Obviously, like I think a lot of times like she probably had to help me get through things. I had to help her to get through like difficult bits. And I think the nice thing again is like obviously we've both played abroad a lot, like a lot of times and not been home that much. And I think sometimes like that person can just kind of make you feel like you are at home and you're not alone. And yeah, I think that's been been really nice and probably also the reason we're still <laughs> friends right now.
1: And and you mentioned about her moving from from the USA to Australia and to Norway. I think it's it seems quite clear from her career that, you know, she'll live anywhere in the world as long as she gets to play. Do you think that sort of sums up her mentality and, and approach to the game?
5: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, she loves the game, as I said, like she'll do anything for football. Yeah. Um, which is obviously one of the reasons that she's made it so far. Um, I also do think that after the Munich time, I think she's been more open and she's obviously tried to like embrace new cultures. Um, I mean, don't try and ask her to speak German because it's probably not even there. But um, yeah, she's just made that effort to like just get the best out of herself career wise and obviously ended up in a lot of different places. And I think, yeah, that shows you how much she obviously like would would give for football.
0: And were you happy when she moved back to the UK and she and she rejoined Liverpool? I mean, I was a bit disappointed because I already told her about
5: three years ago. I was like, "Come on, like it's time now to come to England." And she's <laughs> like, "Yeah, but it's the point system." And obviously, then once she's been in um, in Norway, she she had enough points to come in. And I was like, "Well, this is your time." And I mean, obviously, like Liverpool is a good team. It's a great city to live in. So I think. I think you shouldn't be saying no. And she was like, OK, yeah, I'm I'm going to go for it. And obviously hope that at that time, like they got promoted, which they did. They won the league, pr- got promotion. And yeah, I think she really lost that.
0: So did she speak to you before she joined and, uh, and sort of asked advice about living in England and about whether to join?
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I actually, it was really funny because the, the time that her deal actually got done, I was with her in Oslo um so yeah i mean i can't really take credit for her going to liverpool but i did really hype up england so yeah <laughs> i would def- yeah i would definitely say that i've helped you guys out
1: <laughs> <laughs> well we have to thank you for that then um and what was it like when you got to play against each other in october for for the first time then obviously you only came off off the bench that game but it must have been nice to sort of share the picture them but be on different sides for once
5: yeah, it's always funny, like once you've played with someone and then obviously things happen in football and you start playing against each other. Um, I mean, it, it's just like, it's the same rivalry. Like you still want to, you want to beat her and you want to be like, ha ha, look, we got one on you. And I actually stayed over in Liverpool as well that weekend because it was a birthday weekend. Um, so yeah, no, it's really funny to then see players again and be on opposite teams.
0: Yeah, and have you got a, a, a favourite memory finally of playing with her or maybe your time at Munich together or even since then? Um, I mean, I think probably like obviously my favourite
5: thing was that we were really awkward, but that we kind of knew that we would get along. So it was kind of, oh, are you coming for a walk today? And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm a bit tired. And then she basically had to drag me out my room. And I think that kind of sums us up, like just that beginning bit that we both kind of knew that we would be friends, but we were too stubborn to basically make the first step. I think basically says everything about the relationship we have. So I think the early days were really special, but right now, um, and football-wise, obviously winning the league together was was amazing. And I mean, I always follow Katie's career, and I'm really happy that she's now at Liverpool and scoring goals for you guys.
1: After that successful spell at Bayern Munich, Katie returned to the United States. She would spend the next few years bouncing around the NWSL, bringing joy to a lot a lot of sets of fans who would watch her. And also fill in her spare time by going on loan to Australian teams. Such was her want to play football all the time. To tell us more about the NWSL spell, is NWSL journalist Theo Lloyd Hughes.
6: It's not too dissimilar from the WSL in that the lack of attention, for lack of a better phrase, um, you know, didn't mean the quality wasn't there. And and I think what the US has, which that hasn't always been in, in in the UK, is the really, really, really strong NCAA program. Um, so you have so many young players aged 18 to 22 in very professional environments um, in terms of weight training, resources, travel, competition. And so when you have this concentrated group of young players coming through, they really, really needed a league. And so by 2016, when Katie comes into the league, she's actually already been through the NCAA program, but then she ends up going to Bayern Munich, um, which I'm sure you know, you've know you already spoken about. And so when she comes back to 2016, you know, I think she's a player who's had both some of the best training in the United States, she's had some of the best training abroad, and she's sort of in the perfect point in her career and, and, and in the point of where the NWSL was to kind of maximize her abilities and the difficulty of the league. Obviously, I think in 2016, it was still developing to where it was. But, you know, even the WSL um, probably wasn't even bringing as many international stars as it wanted to. So I think at that time in 2016, when you're bringing players like Marta over um, to the United United States, and you're keeping, importantly, a lot of the national team, if not almost all the national team, I think at that point, in the United States, who were the world champions, you know, the competition level is, is very, very high. Um, probably, you know, team for team around the nine teams in the league at that point. Maybe even the best in the world. It's hard to say um, with where the WSL was developing at that point, and and even Sweden I think was really really competitive in 2016. But you're looking at a league that was, you know, for young players was some of the best in the world, and was and was still holding on to some of the best stars internationally. And so, yeah, 2016 is probably when. It really starts to, to crank up from obviously being founded in 2013. That's not a very big, big period of time, but I think that's when the end of really starts to get um, really strong after the 2015 World Cup, and then probably the next jump is in 2019.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Bayern Munich where she was for a period of time. So she comes back to America. She had a spell at Washington Spirit, Boston Breakers. She's kind of been here, there and everywhere in her club career. But she really makes her breakthrough in the NWSL in 2018 when she joins the Utah Royals. What was known about her at the time? Was she seen as an exciting prospect or some someone that people didn't really know too much about?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think she was, having been abroad, I think she was off the radar. She didn't, you know, have any national team profile, which often in those days was how players would get known. So I think when Katie comes to 28, in 2018 to Utah, you know, she was a really exciting attacking player in a team with Kristen Press and with Laura Harvey as a coach that everyone was excited about. They were getting massive crowds. You know, I think they were averaging about 10,000 people a game as well. And, and they were a brand new team. So I think Katie was perfect for that team because they were, you know, they were brand new, they were in a new city, they were sort of upsetting the, the apple cart at that point in, a, in, in the NWCL. You had the Portland Thorns, who I'm sure you know is like sort of the, the biggest name in the NWSL and the OL Reign had been very good at that time as well. And so I think the league was calling out for a new team um, to to grab a bit of the spotlight and to kind of to take the spotlight. And I think Katie was perfect for that. I think she really connected with the fans. I've got a lot of friends in Salt Lake who talk about how much she was uh, kind of revered there, both for her long range shooting, her ability to sort of charm people off the pitch She has a very famous celebration, which I don't know if you've seen where she scores a goal and then she goes and sits in a throne, an actual throne um, after, after scoring because they were the Royals and, uh, yeah, I think it was just the perfect combination of player personality and club. Um, Laura Harvey, if you don't know, is a really fantastic coach who who really connects with her players on a very personal level and, and gets the most out of them and is really fun and bubbly. And I think it was it was such a great mix after everything that happened with Boston, which, you know, w- was a bit of a... The Boston Breakers are kind of a very sad story in the NWSL and, and Katie had a lot of success at the Spirit, but I think the club culture of Utah really and the players there really, really kicked on. Um, and it was a really, really special time. I guess it's just a shame that, you know, off the pitch, I think the management there weren't really the right people to take that club forward. And that's kind of the undoing of of what is a really successful spell for Katie on the pitch um, in Utah.
1: And I just want to cycle back to to the start of Katie's time in Utah because that's one yeah. of the sort of you know most interesting aspects, I, I, I guess, of something you've mentioned there is that in in the American game, you know, you'd have had a lot of the the sort of world champions from from the us nWNT in at in at the time, um, and, and that maybe they're the sort of bigger stars than than so much of the people coming over from Europe. But Katie obviously had that spell at Bayern. Was was this the sort of sign that was a boost for for the NWSL at the time as as, as much as it was for for Utah alone? Sorry, can you say that again? Um, So I was just saying, is is, is Katie the sort of signing that was as much of a boost for for the NWSL as it was for Utah alone, given that she'd come over from from Europe?
6: I think so. I think, you know, the the NWSL is looking for the best players in the world and predominantly that's going to be Americans, Canadians. um, And... Obviously, you know that tends to be a lot of players that come through the the NCAA system. But I think what you'll see, especially moving forward, as more Americans go abroad, like Kat Macario in 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 France, um, they want they want to see these players come back. They want, you know, I think Katie is just the perfect example of someone who was able to get international experience at a time when the NWSL probably wasn't where it is today, and she really benefited from that. You know, having spoken to her about her time at Bayern Munich, but I think the NWSL wants to see these players come back, um, having gained that information and gained that coaching and that and that expertise. And I think she was, yeah, the perfect signing at, at that point, especially, you know, when Laura, when she arrives in Utah, she's already had a couple of years in the league as well. So she's she sort of now understands what the NWC is about and and had a good patch at Spirit and a bad patch at Boston. And so she's she's quite battle worn, probably emotionally as well. She knows what the league's kind of the highs and the lows. Um and I think, you know, Utah had some big players, so they had Kristen Press, they had Becky Sauerbrunn, you know, they weren't, it's not like Katie was the biggest name on, on the team sheet, but I think she was the perfect mix of flair and graft to, to kind of balance out those big names and balance out her experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And she made 23 appearances there, scored six goals, scored the team's first ever brace, apparently, which is something that's pretty cool to go in the history books. Let's move on then to her time at Houston Dash, where she joined in 2020. She only ended up making 11 appearances there. Was a lot of that because of COVID and other circumstances that were going on, maybe rather than her personal performances as a player?
6: Yeah, no, I think... This is probably the toughest time for Katie's career because she didn't want to leave Utah as far as, you know, things I've heard. And she ends up, you know, one of the toughest things about the end of of the American system is that if you if you don't want to trade, it's not always you don't always have that autonomy. You don't always have that decision. So I think she ends up in Houston, um, not by her own choosing, sort of the club. Is that the, how it
0: works? Yeah, they can just kind of you don't actually have to have a personal say or impact in where you're going. You can just be traded like that.
6: Is pretty scary it's pretty scary yeah so you can get just kind of shifted for you know whatever the the terms of the trade are whatever players coming in the opposite direction or, or draft picks you know He's trying to explain the end of sell draft or draft culture i don't know how much you know but that's like a whole nother thing um so yeah she ends up in houston and i don't think you know after so much success in utah laura harvey leaves utah which i think you know put that club in a tough position losing their head head coach who was such a big part of the culture. there she, you know, they were a brand new club, she'd been the first head coach. She leaves to, to join up with the USA national team as an assistant coach. And you know, long story short, the whole Utah team unra- eventually unravels um and, and uh dissolves a year later after COVID, um, with trouble with the ownership. So I think when Katie was was traded out of there, maybe it, it said more about the trouble that was kind of brewing above in Utah than it did about the trade Um, and at the time you know she ends up going to Houston and I think it was a good match for her personality wise Houston were a team that hadn't done very well in the end of the cell they'd they'd never made the playoffs they'd been one of the worst teams ever and I think again bringing in a player like Katie who had scored some really good goals in Utah and shown to be you know a a very good attacking flair player in this league um, especially in that 2018 season, but even in 2019, I think she showed exactly what Houston needed, which was a bit more finesse, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more technique. Um, but I think you know they were also a team that was kind of like cheeky and and, and hardworking, and they had to do the graph because they'd never they'd never done very well Houston, and so she comes in and she actually has an assist on her debut. Obviously, it's COVID, so it was a it was a closed off tournament. Ironically, back in Utah where they chose to hold this sort of pandemic tournament. Um, and she actually has a really nice assist in her first game. Uh, she's playing on the left side of a 4-3-3. And, you know, I think something which Katie doesn't get enough credit for is that she's quite a physical player. She's big um, in the league, you know, but she's got a really, really soft touch. And I think that was something she did really well in that Houston team was they had to be physical. They were an underdog team, but she was really good at sort of just knocking it on or laying it off or, or, or holding up play. And so she comes in and she looks like a really good fit. Um, and Houston goes on to win the Challenge Cup, which was this pandemic tournament, their first ever trophy. It's a huge moment. The league gets a lot of attention for this tournament, and Katie plays a really, really nice supplemental role in that team, I would say. She ends up, you know, it's only seven games in 2020 because of the pandemic. Um, So she ends up sort of losing her starting position, which she had at the beginning of those seven games, but it's very hard to sort of say too much about a very short season. But I think what, didn't work out for katie was by the end of the 2020 season moving into 2021 having not had that starting position you know she wanted at that point in her career to be you know one a name on the team sheet that was going to be a big contributor that you know maybe she needed a fresh a fresh kind of team a fresh start and so whatever for whatever reason you know she and the Houston team in a much better way than what happened to her in Utah had a very good conversation about being like, you know, what is your future here? This is what I want to do with my career, blah, blah, blah. So she was able to get the move to Norway and, and, and you know, crucially for her play Champions League football um, and leave Houston, you know, 18 months after she arrived. But I know from speaking to her that the the time she had in Houston was, was a really good time for her. And, you know, she didn't play as much as she wanted to. I think coming into 2021, if she'd had a bigger role or been given more promises about what her role was going to be, maybe she would have stayed. Um, and I think, you know, clearly she made the right decision to move on from Houston. Um, but there was always kind of that spark when she arrived that she was the perfect signing and that, she, you know, her her style of play was going to work and they they won the Challenge Cup. And then, you know, football's football. Other, other people move above you in in, in the squad list. And, uh, you know, it didn't end up quite working out once again. It, she, You know, it's funny you think about the Utah thing. It's that same thing, you know, she, she does everything on the pitch, she arrives, she's fantastic, and then it kind of ends up leaving in, 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 a, in a slightly different way.
1: And you mentioned some of those key attributes. There. She obviously has a, a, a great time in Houston. You've also mentioned that, that the Challenge Cup win, rightly. And I think if you were to ask Liverpool fans now what their, what their sort of favourite or the most impressive attributes, I guess, of Katie's game are, it's, it's the hold-up play, it's quick feet to, to beat defenders and showing a real sort of strength on the ball. Were those signs starting to develop even at this point in her career? Yeah,
6: definitely. I actually yeah. think that's when you really start to see that be the elite aspect of her game because, like I said, in Utah, I think she broke the lines a little bit more and she shot from distance and it felt like she was, and maybe that was, you know, Laura Harvey as a coach was telling her to be more brave on the ball and and take people on. It felt like she was more of a flair player. And then when she arrived in Houston, you know, it could be Houston style as well. It felt like she became more of a a supplemental forward, more of an inverted winger, someone who was there to sort of assist others and, and use that physicality, which Houston, you know, they pressed really high and they kind of bullied people on the way to winning that Challenge Cup. And so, yeah, no, I do think that is kind of where that aspect of her game um, really developed, maybe becoming more of a, an out-and-out out forward um, than necessarily, you know, an attacking midfielder or sort of a, a number 10.
0: Let's finish then by talking a bit about Katie off the pitch, because when she left, she she said in an interview, I just really just want to have the opportunity to play. She's someone that whenever you speak to and you see on the pitch, you get the sense that she just constantly wants to push herself. She sets really high standards for herself and coming through a period where women's footballers maybe weren't taken as seriously as they should have been and the levels of professionalism weren't where they needed to be. She was always one for me. That set standards now at Liverpool, but did that also go back to when she was starting out in her career? From when you saw her in the NWSL?
6: Yes, no. I mean, I think something you've got to remember about you know you talked about the standard the NWSL in 2016, but the money wasn't there either. Mm. So what Katie used to do, which wasn't exclusive to Katie, but she used to go to Australia during the winter uh, or the sort of northern hemisphere winter and go and play there to, to make the extra cash and and to to play in the A League and you know. She used to basically live out of a storage unit and be traveling, you know, know, Australia three four months a year. Then, you know, you'd be in DC. Then you'd get traded to Boston. You end up in Boston. You go back to Utah. Then you go back to Canberra in the off season or Melbourne. And, you know, I think she was all about playing football, all about competing at the highest level. um, You know, maximizing her career. And I think. Yeah, when she made that decision to leave Houston, it was it was that same thing of saying, "Oh, I've still got gas in the tank. I've still got standards to set. I've still got more matches to play." Um, if I can't get those promises here as much as I'm, I'm enjoying it, you know, I want to see what the next challenge is. And um, I think she's got incredible, incredible self standards. Incredible, you know, the effort. I think any women's footballers had to have playing in the era that she's had to to, to stay at it, to stay at the mental. The mental toughness, the physical toughness, dealing with the pay, um, traveling around the world, living out of a suitcase—like I think it's the toughness there is in, is incredible. The self standards are incredible. Um, I think she adds a lot, and I think that's why, you know, where she is in her career, you know, she's she's still got I think a lot left in the tank. And why she was sort of the perfect t- time for her to arrive at Liverpool now in the WSL because she's she's played a lot all over the world and played a lot of football, but it feels like you know, she's still very, very hungry. And that's what you want for players, no matter what their age is. You just, you want a hungry player. And I think Katie, Katie really gives that.
0: Can I ask if that's still the case now with the nomadic lifestyle of women's footballers? Is that improved at all? Or is it still the case in in America in particular that they are just being d- traded and drafted and wherever they end up is where they end up?
6: The the, the trading system has not changed. And there's a lot of conversation about that over here. Lynn Williams is is one of the, Best forwards in the league. She holds the record for most goals ever. She's going to be on the USA team at the World Cup in the summer, and she just got traded without any any say. And she was very outspoken about how it made her feel really upset and hurt and surprised and shocked. And I think it's 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 making a lot of people question the league of the um, the league and the rules. What I would say about the nomadic lifestyle and the pay is that that has got a lot better. When when Katie joined the league, I think the minimum wage was something like. You know ten thousand pounds a year um and so you that's what you're expected to live off uh so where you know now it's thirty thousand pounds a year, I think, which you know isn't isn't good enough, but it's a lot better than it was, so I think what Katie had to put up with you know nine eight seven eight years ago um has changed, and it gives the players more support. And there's a lot more resources for them now from the clubs. Um, so you do, I don't think you have to work as hard to go around the world earning every bit of cash you can. But I think there's still a lot, to, there's still a lot of improvements that could be made.
1: And I just want to finish up from from my side on on Katie's yeah. personality because she's definitely one of the biggest personalities that we've got at Liverpool. She's she's a real fan favorite. You've mentioned the Utah throwing celebration. That's a gif I try and use at literally every opportunity that I can. <laughs> um, was that a sign of the kind of character she was off, off the pitch, that sort of celebration? Yeah,
6: absolutely. I think, you know. People that watch Katie Stengel play uh, in the US, in the end of end of herself, fans, fans of the leagues. Let alone, you know, I think Utah is probably where she's most beloved. Um, always know her as such a big personality, and I think she really loved her time in Australia because she has a little bit of that kind of natural cheek. Um, she's funny. She's silly. She, you know, she gives 100%. And I think she really got on with, with Australians in her time over there because they kind of shared that mentality. Um, but I think for NWSL fans, for Americans, that was something that they they really loved about her. You know, kind of always ready to make a joke, always ready to laugh, um, you know, very warm, warm personality. And I think players and fans really, really, really drew to that. Um, and like I said, I think in, in Utah, especially, she was, she was really, really beloved. You know, I think... Other teams, Houston especially, we would love to see more of her. It just didn't work out, um, but yeah, huge personality. And I know a lot of players as well. You know, talk about her, just how funny she is. Um, and and you know, she was at Bayern Munich. You know, when she was so young, and I know she's still really close with uh, Manuewabuchi and and Viv Medema and players on that team. So I think you know the everlasting bonds of of footballers that they have um, kind of shows the testament of, of how much of a character she is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hope she'll have an everlasting run with Liverpool because we absolutely love her here. We've been saying she's been playing in the Stengel zone for like the, the last part of the season because we're sure she's been playing with a bit of an injury, but she just keeps on pushing through. She just does not I stop. mean
6: that header the other week was phenomenal. Yeah, I think oh, that's that, just she's just amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> one I think that's what she does so well. She's so good on that first touch, the first you know, first connection. I think that's something that's yeah, underrated.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.